0: Encore à sensationnel oh, that's, right. oh. that's a brilliant for the follow-up play by my
1: Oh my goodness man! what a shot
2: Sango set set in head Welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. We are back after the World Championships, and handball is already back after the World Championship. I am Alex Kulesh, and I am joined, of course, by Chris O'Reilly. Hello, Alex. And always last in these introductions, Brian Campion. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: yes, always last. But you know, you save the best for last exactly. sometimes, so... So you sound a little bit emotionally tired from the World <laughs> Championship, Chris or Chris and, and Alex. So you can't imagine how the players must be feeling having to go out there and play uh, Reve Final Four qualification matches so soon after. But look, when you sign up to the Bundesliga, you sign up to the Bundesliga. You sign up to the German, playing in Germany, you know what you're going to get. Like, you know? there's, no, there's no free lunches. You're not playing the Polish league here. <laughs> it's
2: not, but not even Germany. It was Denmark that uh, had the first big game. That was Alborg who played Gayo Gay just four days after, like half of the players on the court were playing in the finals weekend. It was crazy. Uh, Alborg won that game, uh, which was really good for him. They reclaimed the top spot in the Danish handball league. But Germany just had to one up them. The Bundesliga had to go. You know what? A regular match isn't enough. Let's force in some extra time into these players' legs.
1: Can I just say before we, we go into the the German cup quarterfinals, like Simon Pitlick
2: still scored ten goals for Guy against Albus? He scored 19. it took nineteen shots. Oh, that God. is just that is a youth body, Georgie. that is like a young body mm. that is capable of doing that. A couple of days after playing a full three week championship,
3: give the man a break.
2: That really is big dick energy when
3: you're coming back and taking 19 shots after a world championship. You know you're feeling pretty hot, like when you do that. I'd say had he not played the world championship, there's no way he was taking <laughs> yeah. 19 shots. That's a that's a swell downstairs, <laughs> like you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Sure. Mm.
2: And of course, in this episode, the main topic will be an interview with Maciek Wojt, of uh, a, a Polish ju- journalist who gave us a little bit of insight into what's going on with Kielsa, their financial situation, their beef with the city, and uh, their kind of goals for the future. So we had a great chat with Magic about that. Uh, That will come a little bit later in the episode. And before we go into broader chat, I do want to thank everyone on Patreon who has stuck around after World Championship. Um, Thanks for staying around. We're... Coming up with plenty of the de- ideas to bring you exclusive content throughout the year. Uh, we're going to do some podcasts on leagues, uh, dive into some of the big leagues in the world, give you that uh, for anyone who's signed up. Also, the Discord server is still going, um, lots of chat in there. And Brian is cooking up some fantastic feature mm. episodes that uh, we'll try to get through into throughout the year. So, uh, do stick around on Patreon. And if you're not signed up, it's only $3 a month. And the dollar has now dropped in value over the last couple of weeks. So it is less than three euro now. So, you know, it's an absolute bargain. Get in now before the Federal Reserve. Brings it up.
1: <laughs> Better make it a nine dollar uh, membership then, just in case. You know? It could
2: be a great investment if, if that nine dollar membership that dollar keeps plunging, if the U.S. government decides on the Federal Reserve in the next couple of weeks. You know, it could be could be a great investment. So <laughs> sign up for nine dollars, which could be worth just three euro that's, in a couple uh, of weeks.
1: That's really no good to us. Uh, but <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna do a, a live show at some point for all of our members as well? Should we, you know, put that as a, a carrot out there on
3: uh, like a live so- show on Zoom or something? I was thinking a show that I I like to watch about because I'm a big uh, Leeds United fan. They have a bit of a mm-hmm. phone in show, so I thought maybe we have a, we could have a bit of a phone in show, giving our Discord and our Patreon fans a chance to maybe come in and give their two cents on certain topics, and we have, we can have it going live on whatever topics, need, and you and Dicky maybe chime in. in and sports talk could, radio. Yeah, a little phone in. Like it exactly. Yes. Yeah, I think it'd be cool.
2: Yeah, so so do uh, sign up. Uh, if you're signed up, you can uh, share your opinions on what you want to see. We do have a lot coming up. And again, we thank you for your support. Yes. Um, speaking of support, I watched that Kiel Magdeburg game. And I just have no idea how these Kiel fans can just shout, Te have a... For 70 minutes constantly. That is just a... <laughs> it's a true miracle. It's a true uh, beauty of the sport. But uh, I probably couldn't handle it if I was there.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was the, the quarterfinal that was in uh, in Hamburg, right? So it was in the Barclays Arena. They moved it to Hamburg for the, the big occasion. And I'm guessing they had a record crowd.
2: Yeah, 12,500 12, people. Wow. It was... I'm not sure if it was sold out, but it was very full, Yeah, uh, that's for sure. And in the end, it was Magdeburg who came out on top 36-35 after extra time, but they really tried their best to lose the game.
1: Yeah, because they had a five-goal lead at the break, right, 1914, and uh, it looked like they basically had it all done and dusted. So up by a goal with... What was it, about 35 seconds left, penalty in hand.
2: Even before that, uh, they took a timeout uh, four minutes before the end when they were three goals up. Mm. And uh, Magdeburg's coach, uh, mm. what's his name?
1: Bennett Wiegert. Uh,
2: Magdeburg's coach, Bennett Wiegert, started giving us talk, said, It's crunch time, four minutes left, we're three goals up, we're in a comfortable situation, we have the ball. And they somehow managed to throw it away. (laughs) Three goals up and the ball uh, with uh, four minutes left. And yeah, as you say, with 35 seconds left, uh, they had an even bigger chance to win.
1: But Kai Smits taking the penalty, who had a fantastic game, by the way. Uh, I saw some tweets uh, during the game, people lauding his performance, saying, you know, who needs Omar and E. Magnussen? Kai Smits is there. Kai Smiths up against uh, Landine and Landine made a really good save it was a good good penalty to be fair but Landine made the save and uh, Kiel went up the other end to to force extra time uh, at that point did you feel like you know Keel having you know stormed their way back got that last second equalizer classic ball dropped into the line by Sandra Saugusson into Pekeler, uh that they were going to take it from there like all the momentum seemed to be with them they were at home. Uh, it was their game to lose right
2: again i was impressed by kristiansen and despite it, despite the fact that magdeburg somehow threw it away the him and kai Smiths were just relentless so they you know, Christiansen got really angry towards the end because there was a couple of times where he actually got through past the defender but the referee whistled a little bit early, so it happened twice to them. So it was, they were doing it. They were kind of closing out the game. They just got a little bit unlucky. They missed that penalty with 35 seconds left. And then, to be honest, I wasn't sure if it was a penalty for Keel in that last mm. second. Peckler had quite a clear shot. I'm not sure if it was really a penalty. So I think there was a lot of anger in this Magdeburg team. That it wasn't like, it's, it's not one of those turnarounds where you're throwing away the ball or you're playing badly. They just had these kind of slightly bad decisions, slightly bad decisions from their players as well. A bad miss, but they were just so angry going into that extra time that uh, I wasn't surprised when they pulled through. But I suppose the biggest thing that happened in that game was... Magnus Augstrup getting what looked like a pretty severe knee injury it was a non-contact knee injury we know what those looked like and mm-hmm. um, he went down and that kind of sucked the life out of the game a little bit uh, to be honest I don't think anyone cared about the game anymore uh, in that extra time uh, I think Magdeburg got through in the end but really horrific for segstrup and it does bring up the question of you know should the players at least get a little bit of a break after a championship like playing extra time segstrup basically played every minute of the game after a full championship and that had to be a factor in the injury
1: i think it was you on our our account right who um tweeted this like pretty much this morning. You are like, he'll play Magdeburg today for a place in the uh, Rava Cup Final Four. Big game for both clubs, but I can't help thinking big games like that are way too soon after a grueling world championship. And so it proved to be there. Uh, for Zoukstrup in particular, who, uh, you know, such a young player who, who seems to like, you know, physically be so well intact, but had a big world championship in terms of his, his output and yeah as you said in that game as well and it really didn't look good he looked devastated out on the sideline when he was laid down and and had his knee uh iced up you know we've we've spoken about this with experts as well in the past through Caleb Gain on as well talking about kind of the um you know the rhythm that the players get into with these kind of things and you you have to wonder like in a situation like that when players in the rhythm of uh, for two and a half weeks playing every second day basically over and over again that you know Sougstrup and the boys were out celebrating for a day or two after the game and basically had gone from 100 to zero and then had to get back into training and prepare for this game uh, no game for like another three days that it, it puts them in a completely different uh, rhythm to what they were used to for the last few weeks so I wonder if something like that is also to be considered in uh in injury prevention afterwards so yeah maybe another week or so is is necessary or at least a few more days to get into a proper build-up for these games
3: yeah but c- considered by whom like you know like is it the clubs then themselves that should say okay we're may- we might sacrifice a place at the Raven Final Four just to rest some of our star players or is it a case of like for example Rasmus Boysen retweeted a tweet that he sent, I think it was, a, it was a year or two ago, where he was talking about changes he wanted to see in handball, and one of those was that he wanted to see a euro every um, four years instead of every every two. Is um, So where do you put the emphasis on who should make those changes? Is it on the clubs, or are you going to say more, is it on the EHF, IHF, that they should maybe tone back some of the, the major events,
2: or what do you think? I think you made a good point there about you know the coaches having to make a decision here as well, and it, in this case, it's it's the fact that it was such a big game that was played. Mm-hmm. If this was a Bundesliga game against uh, some random team, I know there's no no easy games in the Bundesliga, but it gives the opportunity for the coach to consider that to um, give the players a better rest. Uh, maybe play half the game, you know, to to really focus on the players. But it is a, you know, the final four, the German Cup is a, it's a big yeah. thing, and having that huge mm-hmm. game there is, it's it's part of, I don't know, it's a bit of money grabbing, I think, from the leagues, basically saying that there's the World Championships and the excitement is at the highest level after a World Championship. so we're going to put on the biggest games. I think same in. um Albor versus Gayo Gay. I think that was part of the reasoning that we're going to have this big game because there's going to be lots of attention. Everyone's going to go there, but that's detrimental to the players, and that I think is the biggest issue here. Um, to be honest, I think you, the players, should really get like two weeks off, maybe like ten days without a game. Just let the let them go back to training. Let them. Um, Enjoy themselves for a little bit, um, and those extra, you know, three four days won't mean too much for uh, a, a schedule or for a league, but it might make a difference for the players.
1: We also saw in the like the French Cup happened as well uh, over the weekend, so it, all the big leagues and cups are, are coming in with uh, with important games. I think in particular the. Uh, french and german cups because as you said at this stage of the season they're huge games they're knockout games and there's no way the clubs are gonna like play a second team or play a second string team when you're one step away from uh, particularly in, in germany the the cup final four which is such a big occasion so it's all well and good planning these things you know on paper uh from the federations and the, the national league side but uh, when things like this happen, uh, you have to definitely bear in mind that the the players are uh, just humans, and yeah, it's a we wouldn't be talking about it at, probably if to this extent if there wasn't an injury like this, but it did happen in extra time, and that's where it really you know, sticks out. You know, if it happened uh, early in the game, then that could be another thing, but having these players play then an extra ten minutes at the end. Maybe just go to penalties. This is my takeaway from the last few weeks. Just go to penalties. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need up to twenty more minutes of extra time in this sport.
3: Yeah, I agree. I feel like I feel like there maybe should be a bit of uh, understanding, especially coming after coming off events like that, where there. I don't know. I don't know if you uh, maybe you can't come up with a rule like that that you just decide to enact penalties because who decides that? But I don't know. It's I understand that federations themselves they don't want to limit the amount of world and euro european championships that they have because it's a huge it's a huge event and i feel the hunger is is still there for for the definitely the hardcore fans anyway to have a euro every every two years and a world championship every two years Uh, but there's no doubt that it would definitely help the players if it was a bit more staggered maybe every three or every four years um but yeah i don't know it's it's there's a lot of complaining going on, so you have to trust that the players and a lot of injuries happen, and so something needs to change. But I don't know where it's going to come from.
2: A bit of extra time is needed for the players. Um, in this case, that's that's a very simple solution to all of this. That you you know just take an extra week before I let people relax.
3: Yeah, but maybe maybe Chris's uh, suggestion is actually a really good one, actually, just no more extra time. Yeah. You just don't do it anymore. Like, what's, what's the point in having extra time when a game, especially a game that's so fast-paced like handball, I understand it more in football, maybe, where like, there's just so few chances in a game, and you can, if you're playing left-back, geez, sometimes you might, you, you could really chill, depending on the setup of another team, but in handball, there's no chill on the court whatsoever, like, and I think maybe sacrificing, extra time I is there a handball on out there going oh extra time love this uh, I, they're always thinking it's going to go I to love penalties love anyway extra time
2: that's <laughs> my
1: thing
3: yeah. I don't know I think I think at a final four yes I think at a final four yes but like qualifications for the final four maybe not mm. you know
1: yeah you play 60 minutes like that's if you can't figure out who's the better team after that do uh, do penalties you know
3: Yeah. Anyway,
1: congratulations to Magdeburg. They, uh, they're (laughs) not a takeaway from nothing they achieved. (laughs) Uh, you know, they managed, uh, managed to get through. Fair play to them. And they're going to be in the, uh, German Cup Final Four with Flensburg, who also went to extra time, uh, to beat Wetzlar. Ranick Leuven, who beat Hannover Bergdorf. And Lemgo, who seem to be the cup experts in Germany. They, they always seem to get to the, uh, the final four, so they're back in there. They beat Gummer's back in the in the quarterfinal.
3: So uh, I think it's a good time to head over to Poland, shall we? I think every everyone in the handball community has been closely watching the situation in uh, Kielce. I, I think it's fair to say Kielce are probably the the second best club in the world at the moment. I think it's it's uh, I think it's fair to say, obviously in Polish fans' eyes, probably the best club in the world. But they're definitely up there and. Uh, there was a lot of talk and news coming out of Poland that the club was struggling financially, that one of their sponsors was pulling away and it would, they would lose about 33% of their funding, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, when you pull out 33%, you all of a sudden go from a very top club to not being able to afford your top players, which is a huge jump back then uh, for a club like uh, Kielce. So we got in touch with Maciek Voice, who's a, a pretty prominent name on Twitter, especially with regards to Polish handball, and we spoke to him about the whole situation in Kielce, and he outlined in, in lots of detail of what's going on exactly in Kielce at the moment.
2: Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Maciek Voice, a journalist from Poland, who's going to speak to us a little bit about the Kielce situation ongoing. But uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Maciek, and Thank you so much for taking some time out of your holiday to join us on this podcast.
0: Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor. It's an honor for me to to be here. First of all, I have to say that uh, I'm really sorry for my English because I I, I haven't been speaking English for like um, on a daily basis for for a long time. So probably I will make many mistakes. So uh, I'm really sorry for to to everybody. <laughs> no.
3: Macek, I, I was just about to say, Magic, that you have very good English. <laughs> I was just about to compliment yeah, you on your yeah, English, yeah. so no worries there. So talk to us th- exactly what's the situation now at the moment in Kielce. I think from an outsider perspective, I think we all know the headlines. We all know that Kielce seemed okay until the end of the season. But maybe you could take us back to the beginning and when things started to kind of, or there was sounds of things going wrong with Kielce and what was going on exactly there.
0: It's 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 a very difficult topic because uh, I guess that many things are are not known for people, even for journalists in Poland, uh, and we kind of get used to Kelce having problems uh, through through last past uh, past five uh, or four years, um, and uh, I guess that. Um, that time, um, last four years, uh, w- when they had problems, um, I guess that everyone here in Poland thought that uh, it's because of the the fact that they made some uh, bad decisions, or because of the Virtus um, Servus uh, uh, company uh, having some financial problems, and, and that, uh, that that that. Um, and that was the problem for the for the whole uh, for the whole club. But right now, it's I guess it's something. It's it's in some way it's it's a different because uh, the situation of the club financial situation was good, uh, and uh, the the contract with Wanja was uh, I'm not sure because I haven't checked that. But I guess it was one of the best one of the biggest uh, contracts uh, in uh, in the history of. Polish sport. Um, they got a lot of money from from them, and and, and the, the whole situation of the club was was pretty good. Uh, but uh, all of a sudden, the, the the decision came from the from the Vanpour and and then they decided to to step down. Uh, and it's not uh, it's not a it's not a the Celts didn't didn't make anything wrong. To, to be in that situation right now. So that's the, that's the first thing that's different between uh, those those years. But' uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure who, how it will end because in all in those past years I was pretty sure that even though they have problems, even though they started uh, uh, some fundraising in the internet uh, with fans and et cetera, I, I, I somehow knew that the, the, the everything will uh, will end happily. But right now, I'm not quite sure about that because uh, it's a different situation. It's a different moment of the year. And uh, and everything looks uh, really strange because uh, first, uh, like in, in, in November, Bertus Servas said that um, everything uh, for the end of the season is... Uh, is okay even though one uh, steps down and we have money we have, um, uh, any player will want to want to go uh, away so uh, we will stay with this with this team but right now everything's changed and this this they they made an uh, they they made a statement in which they they wrote that um, they decided not to not to, um, to step down from the Champions League but uh, they don't know how how many players will stay till the end of the season so uh it's some it's uh, we got some uh, some different messages like in in two months time so it's really hard to 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 to, to be sure what's going on in Chelsea right now
1: as you said, we have been so used in the last couple of seasons to to hear news like this. We we covered it a couple of years ago when the fundraising began, but there was always kind of a feeling that maybe there's just trying to put some pressure on the local government or the city or, or trying to get some additional support for the club and that at the end of the day, as you said, everything would turn out okay. Um, is there anything in particular that makes you feel like as you said, it feels different this time, and, and a lot more uncertainty. Are there some aspects that you can tell us about that that make it seem so different for you?
0: Yeah. So first of all, that's, there's a conflict between uh, the club and uh, Bogdan Venta, who's who's a uh, mayor of, of Kielce. So that's the first fact. And the other, the, the second one is that uh, I've I've spoken to some guys from the. Uh, marketing uh, of KLC's team uh, in January in, in during the world championship uh, and they told me that it's very difficult to to, to find a, a new sponsor right now because of the time of the year so uh, it's the beginning of the year um, in a lot of companies uh, no one's thinking about giving money to to, to, to any sport team. Right now, it's it's too early for that. Uh, they do not have time because they have to uh, they have to make uh, decisions. They have to tell players uh, if they can check for any other teams. Um, but any company won't give them uh, the decision about giving them money uh like in two three or four weeks it's it's a long process so that's why it's very difficult and that's it's also very difficult situation financially in poland right now there's um, high inflation um the, there's uh the, the energy goes uh the, the prices of the energy goes i went uh, very very high uh at the beginning of the year so for the companies, that they they're not in the situation right now to to search for for other for to to search for clubs to give them money. They search uh, how they can uh, uh, spend uh, less money. Um, in, in, so that's that's the that's the problem, and that's why uh, I know that Kielce were were looking were searching for uh, sponsors outside Poland um, because here. Um, they they couldn't find anyone who would bring them who would give them like four or five million zlotys, which they were looking, which they which they need to to balance the budget right now. So they were looking outside uh, Poland. There were some talks, and uh, in, right now there are some talks with uh, with um, negotiations with some sponsors, but. Uh, it's not like that that it will be decided in in few days. That's why they uh, they they wrote in a statement that uh, that uh, the decision will be made at the end of the march. They they had to uh, give themselves uh, a time for 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 those negotiations. So uh, that's why it's difficult. And also, I know that uh, because of the conflict with with Bogdan Venta and the city. Uh, one uh, one particular uh, negotiations uh, broke down uh, because of that uh, that. uh that in 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 media there are some uh, publications uh, negative publications about the club, about the city, about the conflict, and um, this company didn't want to uh, be engaged uh, in anything um, like that. So so. Um, Many, many factors right now um, decide why Kielsa are in, in this situation.
2: One of the things that came out of this news was uh, a whole barrage of transfer rumors, uh, just because Kielsa has such a wide squad, um, a lot of players that have moved over from kind of international clubs coming into the club. So, so you know, of course, the biggest one was the Dushibaya family and the offer to pick Zagat but Remili Karlek, Morito Nahi and Wolf were all rumoured to be looking for different clubs have you, with the kind of decision that at least to the end of the season Kielsa is going to stay intact um, do you expect any of these players to actually move, is there any kind of traction on any of them or is it kind of on ice until an, a further decision is made?
0: I guess, but it's only my that's only, I, I'm only guessing that. Because Kelta were, were putting in, in those statements or, or in the social media some some really strong words that uh, the, the future of the club is uncertain and etc. It's not the future of the club we're talking about right now because they're not losing like the, the whole uh, sponsors and uh, the whole budget, they lost like 33 uh, percent of it. So it's not the end of the club. It's not the end of the uh, of the handball in Kielce. Um, but I guess that it's uh, they they made it. Uh, uh, they wanted to make it that way to to sound it like the it's it, it's the end of the uh, handball in Kielce if They won't find find the sponsor because uh, it put the pressure. On uh, on venta on some some sponsors in negotiations or, or the sponsors they they have right now, so uh, that was that was something that they wanted to do and I guess that some of the rumors are also made by the club. I'm not sure how many. I, I do not believe, for example, that Morito has an offer from Barcelona. Um, because of the fact that there's Gomez and Jans there. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
0: so it's something that, that I, I don't know why he would go there or why Barcelona would would want him. But uh, I know for sure that uh, that Dushibayev's uh, family got an offer from Big Seget, uh and that talent Dushibayev got also an uh an offer from the seget that they will give him two million euros for the transfers during the, uh, the, the during the transfer uh, season um, before the next before the next season. So it's it's really it's it's an amazing offer for, for him and, and for the for the whole family. Also, I know for sure that Dillanai got an offer from uh, from uh, from uh, saget uh, I know that Remy Lee got an offer from Bespram uh, and from Kiel. Uh, I know that Vol- uh, sorry, not from Kiel, from Bespram and from uh, from PSG. Wolf got an offer from uh, from Kiel. So uh, I guess that those uh, the biggest stars, uh, those international stars, not Polish one, but the international stars. Uh, there are many clubs so, which will uh, want to have them uh, in the team, but I'm not sure how many of of them will go away from Kelso because uh, everything depends right now um, on the decision of Talans Dushibayev, because he's the reason why they are here. It's not because the of the fact that they may like Kielce, or, or they will, they may feel good in Poland, or etc. It's it's the dushabayev who's the reason why they are here. And if he will go to Seget, uh it will be hard for them to, for I don't know, for the players like like Nedim Radunili to to stay here. Why should he stay here then? I don't. I am not. I am not sure he he would want to play here. Without talent, uh, it, even though um, even though of the of the coach who who, who would take the team uh, after talent, but um, Dushevayev is an icon. He's he's a he's a, he's the main reason players come to Kielce. and um, and that's uh, for me. Uh, he's uh, if he will be gone uh, from from Kielce to to Seged or anywhere else. It will be the end of the, the of the whole project, and it the, it will be the um, the transfer that will put Kelce back uh, like ten or fifteen years, um, just the before of the the whole venta and other Polish players who came to play to um uh, just before that era.
3: Talk to us a little bit about uh, Bogdan Venta. Of course, he is um, an ex 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 player, an ex coach. He uh, coached. Uh, uh, Flensburg he also coached Kielce uh, obviously coached the Polish national team as well and then he turned politician is he the mayor of Kielce at the moment or what's his his, uh, official title
0: yeah he's the mayor
3: he's the mayor so like what's the disagreement there with the club with Bogdan because you'd feel like an ex-handball player ex-handball coach as the mayor of Kielce that's like a dream combination for the club but somehow there seems to be a bit of a disagreement there what's the exact disagreement or do we know the disagreement or is it a bit
0: hush hush yeah it's there's a big di- disagreement between Venta and Servas, and I guess that this conflict arised through through the years. Uh, and uh, it's not official. I guess that no one will say that officially. but in my opinion, it started with uh, with the way uh, Venta was uh, Venta stepped down from the team. Uh, he was cha- he was replaced by the Dushbaev. He was said to be the the managing director then, I guess. Uh, but just f- a few weeks after that, he stepped down and uh, he just uh, started his politician uh, career, political career. Uh, and I guess there's some bad blood, blood between uh, between Venta and uh, Servas uh, since then and when he became uh, a mayor um uh, first uh, in first uh, f- few few months everything was okay but uh, when the when the time of the uh, when the time in the year comes uh, when we makes uh, uh, make public uh, the budget for the for the whole uh, new year i mean the city um, there's always some, um, there's always um, some, there are so always some, there are always some talks uh, from the, from the Servas and, and, and the club that they, they got um, not enough uh, money from, the, from the city. And they compare themselves to, to the football team, Corona, uh, who's currently playing in Polish extra classes. So it's like the highest division. Um, but uh, they're the team who's uh, who's been uh, who's, who played in, in the second league and the, in the first league. So they're not like a top football team in Poland. But uh, but Kielce uh, uh, club, handball club, got uh, got less money than than them throughout the year. Uh, so that's the way. That's the fact uh, on which the club didn't agree with Venta. Uh and uh Ventas always was saying that uh, the the reason is because uh the club uh the football club uh the cities is is, uh, is an owner of this club, but with a handball club, the service but the is an owner of the club. So that's the that's the reason and, and there were plenty of uh of uh, talks, plenty of Meetings uh, during uh, last few years uh, between them, and um, and it's uh, and and it came to to the to to, to the to the situation where Chelsea went for the game uh, versus Barcelona uh, last autumn, and uh, they they decided to uh, to um, to put a sticker on a uh, on a uh, Chelsea's. Uh, uh, a city, uh, city logo. I don't know mm-hmm. how to. to oh, on the uh, the logo on the jersey. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They, okay. they put a crest. sticker on it, so it was um, it was an uh, it was an idea to 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 make Venta angry, I guess, and uh, uh, and it was uh, another part of the of the of the conflict. So after that, uh, Venta decided to give uh, to to. Decided to give uh, Kielce um, handball team zero slots, so uh, for the for the whole uh, 2023 uh, in the in the budget. So um, there's the, it's it's a big conflict right now, and uh, I know that there will be some meeting um, probably in the next week uh, for, uh, with servers, with Venta, with with other people from the city hall um but it's very difficult situation because uh uh i guess that uh, bertus and, and bogdan has uh, their own opinions about the situation and it's not easy um, for them to find uh, find a solution for this i know that venta um, said that uh, he will give some money for the club but only after uh, after some uh, some independent uh, company will make an audit um, and 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 check the finances of the club and and all the contracts and etc. But but the club refused uh, to to do this. So um, it's like they're uh, they're holding a rope in their hands and uh, everybody's uh, everybody's. Uh, uh, no one wants to, to oh, I'm missing words. No one wants to... give in. Yeah, no. exactly. It
1: is quite remarkable thinking that with Bogdan Venta's history in the sport, and of course, he's, he's also been a controversial figure as a player uh, over the years when he switched allegiances to Germany uh, as well. But surely he doesn't want to be... The guy who's responsible for tearing it, like for letting this club, like Poland's great handball club, uh, gonna fall apart. And it feels like a little bit of, as you said, posturing and nobody wants to give up. Um, also with, with Dushabaev, with Talent Dushabaev, he's spoken so much about, you know, how he wants this club to be the club that he retires with that he, he wouldn't go easily. So can you give us a little prediction on how you think it will go? Because, it seems, in some aspects, that it could just be another one of these chapters where eventually the there will be a solution that comes up. But in comparison to the Kielce that we saw in the last year or two, where they've been signing players for one year, two year, three years ahead in the future, um, that maybe that also is not realistic for them anymore. So, so what do you think the the club will actually look like, uh, say, by the time this
0: summer comes around? I hope that. Shaba will stay I, I hope the talent will stay because as I said before for me his uh, his uh, transfer to any other club uh, or any other place will be the end of the of the Kelce's big era so uh, I hope that he will stay and if he will stay then 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 the whole project will stay and and, and, and and most of those uh, players, uh, big players uh, who are now in in Kelso's squad, will also stay. I guess that uh, they will fund the money to for the end of the season, until uh, the end of the season. But I'm not sure they will have the money for next seasons. So it's uh, it's not that easy. Uh, I also think that uh, two maybe one or two players uh, will leave team uh, and they will have to um, th- because they have good off- good offers like karalek to barcelona is like almost uh, done deal only um, barcelona the player everybody only waits uh, on on the Kelce's decision so if Kelce decide that yeah we need money for for the karalek transfer so he will be gone there um, because Barcelona needs uh, needs an uh, it's an line player to replace uh, Fabregas, right? So so it's uh, it's it's really I guess that it, it will happen, and maybe also the the Remili or somebody like that uh, transfer will also happen. But I really really hope that uh, everything will somehow uh, have uh, will end uh, happily for the club and for the Polish handle because. Uh You know that um, right now the handball in Poland is not in a good uh, good condition. Uh, we're in a really bad uh, moment. Uh, just after the World Championship here, uh, with our team finishing fifteenth, uh, we're just in a few days. We we'll probably will have a new uh, national team coach. So uh, there are a lot of changes. Uh, there are there are a lot of. Uh, a conversation about uh, the future of this of the handball and uh, and if Kielce's project will end, then it will be another another uh, huge blow for Polish handball. Uh, and I hope it it will it won't happen. We hope so too. Uh, I think we we all
2: want to see Kielsa at the highest level. But uh, thanks a lot for your time, Maciek. And enjoy the rest of your well deserved holiday after <laughs> World Championships. I'm sure. Thank you
1: very, so, very much for having me. Take care, Maciek. Thank you. Thank you to Maciek Voice for that. Uh, some interesting uh, aspects, which uh, I think we haven't really been able to read in the coverage. So it's you know nice to hear from someone like this who is so deep in it. Uh, only has a certain amount of you know space in his articles to, to write, but get a bit of color, get a bit of background in there. Uh, Alex, what was your takeaway from the, the conversation?
2: I think it's... Uh, the big takeaway is that it does seem like all of this stems from this argument with the uh, with the mayor, uh, which is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of posturing here, and I don't know, a question to both of you, maybe, whether a club like Kielsa, a professional sports club, should be getting funding from a city? Is that, is that you know, like... This is a choice for a city to, you know, invest in local infrastructure for, uh, you know, grassroots sports or giving money for Kielsa to pay professional players, which is, uh, I don't know, I I think there's an imbalance there. I think
3: i, I then if we're looking at investment in sport generally, if we look at handball and a town like that like Kielce investing some of their money taxpayer money into a sports club, if they decide to do that, I have no problem with that when you compare that with football and some of the sports washing stuff we see with various other clubs, I think it is quite innocent so i I personally have no problem with Kielce wanting to and in, to invest their own money, but the problem maybe I have is uh bogdan Venta maybe acting like a little bit of a an ex-boyfriend <laughs> to uh, Kjellse the club and kind of saying, oh, well, you got this this flashy new Dutch man in who's spending loads of cash and I can't help but feel like the way he acted with on Twitter and the way he flashes around how he's spending and who he's signing. And I mean, th- that whole thing, about it became, a, it became a little of a joke online of how Kielce were signing players that any name that propped up, anyone who was 17, 18, where people were just saying on Twitter, like, oh, just give it like six months, he'll be... They'd be signed for Kielce in no time, um, it, so it did feel a little bit heavy-handed sometimes, and I can understand why some people would maybe feel like they're going in, going all in a bit too a bit too much. But as you said, Alex, in the inter- inter- interview itself, like it is a, it is an institution in in Polish sport, and it would be such a shame for for them to lose it. So I think it's time for Bug Venta to maybe just chill out a bit, support it, and they need to find a way because. Handball without Kielce, it does lose its shine, and I I don't particularly want to see. Even though it was kind of exciting to hear Alex Dushabayev maybe going or to our term, the Dushabayev trio going to Zaget, there was something exciting there to see something new. But when I thought about it longer term, I don't I don't I don't particularly want to see that. And I want to see Kielce continuing as a club, and I want to see them. I'd like to see them win the Champions League again. They came so close last season. It'd be so strange then to see them fall off a cliff just like Varda fell off a cliff and we don't need to see that again I fully agree that's, that's the last thing you want to see um, and in terms of you know city
1: supporting clubs I'm pretty sure the people of Kielce would be, be happy to see the city and some of their taxpayer money go to the club like it is it is a club that have basically put Kielce on the map internationally like otherwise mm. we'd have no idea where this place is <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> there'd be nothing else that would really draw draw attention to it, and now they have something internationally uh, in sport that people are proud of, and it is a common thing um, more further east than Poland, right? So particularly like Romania. Look at the Romanian uh, clubs on the men's and women's side, particularly in the women's side, it's based one hundred percent on the city running the club. Like right? that's how they pop up so quickly uh, and sometimes disappear so quickly due to the local governments uh, supporting and then a new a new person coming in and and taking it away so it's not a not an unusual thing not also a sustainable thing clearly when it's so based on politics but if it covers a little bit of the budget i don't think that that hurts and uh, it's only when they took away that bit of the budget that it's uh, beginning to hurt so yeah i don't know it seems like Maybe it's blown out of proportion a little bit is kind of a little bit of the takeaway for this, for me.
2: It, it, seem, it seems like it, for sure. And I think, you know, yes, they might lose Remily and Karalek, but they'll bring, like, you know, Branko Viovic back from loan or yeah. something. That is still a top-level player who is probably earning half as much as Remily, and they'll, they can populate a very good team. Yeah, So,
1: and Hassan Kada is joining next season, hopefully still, so exactly. good news. Let's see.
2: The last point on this is, I wish Berta Service would just do like a US-style franchise move where the teams threaten the city and say, oh, we're just going to move this franchise to Warsaw. Or Krakow. Or like somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. It's like, <laughs> we're going to bring this whole the whole club to Krakow. <laughs> we have a nice arena there. Let's just do it. Imagine. um that, that would be a good move, I think. So Bertus, if you're listening, just go for it. Yeah, the Polish Pelicans, you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs>
3: but you, Alex, you wanted to talk about transfers for a little bit. I think probably a good place to start would maybe be with... Uh, well, no, transfers are kind of like movement news in terms of contracts and all that kind of stuff. So I think probably maybe, if we want to quickly go over this, PSG is probably a good place to start. Dominic Mate coming back after... His knee, his knee injury has made his PSG debut, scored five goals in the in the cup against uh I heard Oh, Jesus. Here's, here we go. Shart. <laughs> that was a bit, a bit, 30, too, uh, a bit
2: too much shart. That's something else, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
3: a bit too yeah, a bit too hard on the r there. there but uh, good, good good to see him back in action though definitely 100%. Karabatic putting on a year onto his contract as well and then Raul Gonzalez obviously signed up for two two extra years. Would you be surprised by either of those or did you expect them or what what's what's your feeling on those two?
2: I think movements? it's a bit of a vote of confidence from the club in, in this team. So there was also talk about PSG kind of scaling back their handball division. A little bit, but you know, Karabatic is on a lot of money. I'm sure he probably took a bit of discount to extend that one year. And there was talk about Raul Gonzalez leaving again because of this, let's say, project hitting a bit of a wall. So with Raul Gonzalez signing up, it feels like there is going to be a you know big future for PSG. That Raul Gonzalez himself is confident in that. Which means that there's some confidence in the club, and it's just great for Karabatic. I think, Um, yeah, he talks about he just he wants to make it to Olympics and and ride off into the sunset, and it's great that he can do that in PSG. Um, Hopefully, he stays injury free, makes the Olympics, and we'll see. Uh, glorious end to a fantastic career. So very happy for Karbatic there.
3: Thierry Omeyer stepping in to save the day, you could say. But I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> bad joke. Anyway, another man who's back, obviously from injury, will be Stepančić back from more or less. I mean, three year, three years of random injuries. So he's back in action uh for he was ba- well he was back in action for Zegic so that's good to see. I think something that you pointed out on Twitter as well was uh Paul uh, Valiera signing for um Barcelona until 2026 uh obviously signing from Granollers. Yeah, Granollers.
2: There's there's a great uh, scene actually because Barcelona played Granollers straight just um in the, just after just after the world championship so again one of these big games set up directly after world championship to get some attention but they they played in front of a packed out arena in Granadares four and a half thousand people which is fantastic to see and all of the fans gave a huge ovation to Paul Valera they he was in the stands with all the players like hugging him uh, all the fans hugging him so it was a a nice moment I think it's it's a nice move um him for Barca hopefully he can develop and it could be a big move for Spain as a whole um, and as, as a handball nation to get a new star into that backcourt get another player who can develop at Barcelona so pretty exciting I think.
3: With, with Magdeburg obviously is another big well today with Magnus Sauerstrom obviously being injured and then with Magnussen having with his injury they did sign uh, Vladan uh, Lipovina Pretty much re- directly afterwards from Wetzlar. I mean, they might now want to make. Uh, can they make another sign in for the line? I'm not really sure what this mm. situation. This the whole idea with the handball window. It's a little bit vague sometimes, but it's something. with... that they're two big losses for Magdeburg, aren't they?
2: Especially Saxrup. He plays all the time for Magdeburg. Um, their mm. backup, their la- backup line player is Lucas Meister, a a Swiss uh, player who gets a bit of time, but he's nowhere near. The level of Saugstrup uh, they'll need to get someone in but the the market is a little bit tight for good line players right now there's mm-hmm. not many going around maybe Luis Frade can find himself his new home that he's wishing for or at least Barcelona are wishing that he comes <laughs> to a new home <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. a, new, a new pasture for more red cards somewhere else in a different division <laughs>
2: Um, I don't know if Frado yeah. is really built for the Bundesliga, though. He's uh, he's yeah. nice and comfortable in as Well,
1: you know they have a couple of players there that have been that could be maybe turned into line players, like Piotr Krapkowski. I've never seen him come off the bench this season for Magdeburg. <laughs> uh, I know he's a he's a defender and left back, uh, Marco Bezjak as well. He's not exactly the, the backcourt player he used to be. Maybe he can get a, get a job done for them on the line as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no matter the, what, tough it's tough to
2: win a Bundesliga yeah, one with that. Yeah.
1: But when you consider uh, Saukstrup as Bundesliga Player of the Month, November and December, this is a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Any other uh, transfer movement news that have popped up? From
2: France, um, there's been some nice movement from Montpellier. Again, nice to see them stepping up a little bit and showing confidence in the team. They signed Ahmed Hesham, so Dodo, mm. from Nîmes for next season. Uh he's an exciting player. He didn't really have a good world championship. Um he's been he was injured for a while previously, but he's an exciting young Egyptian. So he adds to their pretty heavy um playmaker collection but uh, Dodo can play left back as well um, and they also signed uh, Sebastian Carlson from Off, a nice right winger they'll still need to find a replacement for mm. um although they have Lucas Palis there but it's a nice little squad that Montpellier are have put together you know uh, Scuba came in there to to kind of bolster it for this season um, the Villemont who's still getting better and better, so I think it looks good for Montpellier going forward. And the goalkeeper swap between Magdeburg and Benfica: uh, Sergei Hernandez going to uh, Magdeburg next season, and Mike Jensen going to um, Benfica. So slightly weird swap there. I don't. I think both players are relatively equal in their ability. So uh, doesn't really make too much sense. Yeah, to me.
1: I, I wonder with that. Like probably Mike Jensen at the beginning of this season figured he was going to be the number one, right? Because he was, he did play a big role for Magdeburg last season uh, in the competition with Yannick Gren. But then Nikola Portner's come in and he showed it again in the cup uh, today. Uh, he, he's really settled into life with Magdeburg brilliantly. He's a really good goalkeeper. We knew that already, but he something really fits. With him and this team so maybe mike jensen has just been like i need to i need to get into a team where i'm gonna start that's a good opportunity for him to play at a good european level and maybe with hernandez he's happy to get to the bundesliga and will kind of be satisfied as the number two for now so it could be a uh, an exchange of uh, of players that you know both will be happy with the move even though there's not too much of a level difference
2: also Hold up. I have huge breaking news. What? Huge breaking news. This better be big. The EHF (laughs) Champions League website has just updated their statistics. So you can now click into the Champions League, go into player statistic, and check out the top scorers, top 7-meter scorers, top field scorers, assists, score points, goalkeeper saves, and goalkeeper seven minutes, uh, seven meters. Wow. All on the website in one place. Saves. That is... Oh my God. We can even see saves. There's even team statistics on the website. You can check the highest scoring teams, the best goalkeeping teams. This is something, this is a revelation. This is the biggest news that has come out of handball in many, many years. I'm excited.
1: Big time. So... Quickly, just looking through here. Top assist giver. Who do you think it is, Brian? Top assist giver.
3: uh, Let me just... just As he goes (laughs) under there. (laughs) HFCL.eurohandball.com Oh, I see. see, Is he He Dutch? Dutch, By any chance?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's also the the, the top top scorer
1: of points. to goals and assists. Uh, Seaman Pitlick, number two there. So... Yeah, and the the biggest saver. Well, it should be no surprise, given his percentages at the World Championship, to be still in at uh, ah, 131 oh. saves, just ahead of Andy. It's been a surprise. Yeah, um, big times. Uh, yeah, that's nice. cool. Big times. Big change. Uh, I'm glad for you know. I know there are certain people at the Hf who would have been pushing for that for many many years.
2: So I'm glad that they're <laughs> finally finally getting it done.
1: So congratulations to
2: them. Mm champions league is back games already on the 8th of february so big games coming up we'll have lots of coverage of that and the leagues and everything going on handball over the next couple of weeks uh, and so. the
1: the women's champions league group phase comes to an end as well so maybe after that we'll take a look at how things are set uh and how the race to budapest is going right until then thank you to Machek who joined us today thank you to brian thank, thank you i take thank you, to you to alex, alex.
2: Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. (laughs)